I wish I could sing like that when I have a cold. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, well, good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for the pep talk about not sleeping. I thought maybe if you fall asleep, I'll, we'll actually have Chris come and sit on your lap, and uh, and you'll get his cold. So there's there's some motivation. Um, you know, I kind of like how this this morning came together because um, Julie, who is going to give the message today, got really sick on Friday and Saturday. Don't know if it's food poisoning or a little flu bug, but she wasn't able to kind of be here to bring the message. She'll do it next week. So I'm in the bullpen. Chris and I are always in the bullpen. So this was a decision yesterday for me to step up and teach something different than Julie was going to teach because she's got the message pretty much done for next week. Um, And then the song that we just sang. And, you know, there's a lot of repetition in that song, right? Singing it over and over again. But the, the idea of open the eyes of my heart, do you know where that comes from? It's a passage, and it's a prayer in Ephesians 1, and I want you to think about this. Paul traveled all over the, um, that part of, of uh, Asia at the time um, and into what we now call Europe a little bit, and he was starting churches, and the Ephesian church was a really powerful, strong church, but then he would leave, and he would kind of worry about these churches, how are you doing? So he would write letters, and that's what the, most of the New Testament are, these letters that he wrote, and in writing to the Ephesians, he said to them, In the first chapter, he says, I'm praying for you uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And listen to this. Having the eyes of your heart opened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So um, today's message is on hope. wasn't planned. And this prayer that we just sang over and over again, asking God to open up the eyes of our hearts so that we would have hope. And the reason is this, when you look around, when I look around with the eyes, with my physical eyes at the world, um, it's sometimes hard to find any hope because what we see isn't very hopeful often. And I would imagine most of you in this room right now would say, I'm, I'm struggling to find some hope because the circumstances in your life don't lend themselves to being hopeful right now. But there's a different kind of hope, just like Chris said, there's a different kind of joy that comes. And, in, and so Paul was praying that no matter what was going on for them, and that's what I'm, my prayer right now for each of us is that no matter what your circumstances are, that there's some, um, that God would go beyond, almost do an end around our physical sight and our brains that are trying to figure everything out and give us a deep hope. It's kind of a hope that you don't really know why it's there except it's coming from a source outside of yourself. Um, because I just, you know, look around the room and the little bit of those of you that I do know in some of your stories talking to Michelle today um, who needs prayer because she's got a physical condition pretty serious that she discovered. Willis, since we saw you a few weeks ago, you went back into the hospital and you're back out again. Um, A lot of stuff going on for all of us, right? So this is a message today. We're we're in our love series, and uh, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, as I said before, that's a passage that's used in so many weddings. Love is patient, love is kind, and, you know, it's, it's this beautiful language. And then he winds it up by saying there's four things that love always does, and we're going to look at one of those four today. And that is that love hopes all things. Now, what does that mean, hopes all things? Wishes for the better, okay? That would be one way of putting it. Um, But it's when you have hope, when you have love, basically this is about love, that true love will look at another person, no matter what the circumstances are, and still find hope for that person. And I would say even when that person doesn't have any hope themselves. This, this, these messages on love, I hope you understand that we can never aspire to this on our own. Every one of these indications of love or descriptions of love is a description of how God loves. 
right? And so then we receive that kind of love from God, and when we really receive it, we're able to be a conduit where it comes back out. And if it's not coming in, it'll never come out. So I just want to remind you, every week we got to remember that God is love, and we love because he first loved us. And my failure to love is always going to be rooted somewhere in my failure to receive love from God to really experience his love, to know that he's love. And so the question today is, is God giving me hope? Is God giving you hope? Because we're not going to talk so much about your hope, although I hope you have some, but the call to love is the call to hope in other people, to love others. That's the question today. How do we respond? So remember last week, maybe you don't remember last week. Sometimes I don't remember last week even when I taught, what I taught about last week. So let me just remind you, last week we said love hurts, right? And love hurts meant that if you love someone, you're, you are willing to move in to their hurt and be co-sufferers with them. Compassion is a word that means to co-suffer. You suffer along with them. You bear each other, we bear each other's burdens. We take the weight of their suffering as if it was our own. We experience it that way. That's what love is like. Now we're going to say this week, we're going to take it a step farther, and that is when you love someone, you hope for them even when they don't hope for themselves, even when they have no hope. And I want to suggest, by the way, that the main way that God gives hope to people is through other people. The main way God gives compassion to people is through other people. When it's not embodied in someone else, it's easy to say, well, I know God loves me. I know God cares about me. I know God never gives up on me. But if you don't have anybody in your life, no man or woman in your life, friend, relative, new acquaintance that is pouring into you love and compassion and hope, it's hard to find it. And that's the beauty of what we actually have. We have such power in ourselves to influence people for the good. We have amazing capacity, way beyond what we even imagine, to have positive influence on others. So the question today is, and I'm going to ask you to think about this, how do you respond? How do I respond when someone that we know and we love, because we're supposed to love everyone, continues in behaviors that are harmful to, the, to themselves and to others? And it looks like there's no hope for change. You know anybody like that? Besides yourself, maybe sometimes, right? There's people like that, right? We see them every day. We have them in our family. They can be close friends. They can be loved ones. And we have this idea that they're never going to change. They did it again. I can't believe it. They're still there. It's so easy to become cynical and have despair and say, there's no no reason to ever believe that anything is ever going to change. But at the center of love is this idea that love always hopes. It always hopes. It's seeing the potential of others even when it's hard to see. And I want to say that's also seen with the eyes of your heart. Because if you see just if you just measure it by what you see and you measure it and you quantify it and you whiteboard it and you spell it out, it's like, I have no reason to believe anything's ever going to change with this person. But I want to say that we'll see very clearly today, God never sees any single person that way, ever, that they're beyond hope. So imagine if we could actually embody that ourselves and say, I'm going to choose to believe with the eyes of my heart that no person is ever beyond hope, no matter how many times they fail, no matter how many times they fall flat, no matter how many times they treat me a certain way and say certain things to me that they're never beyond hope. There's this um, uh, pretty well-known saying that if we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. It's to always see beyond the veneer of what you see, the, the crusty outside or, or the, the facade that they put up, because we all put up facades as well, to protect ourselves, um, because we've been hurt, to keep our anger down, whatever, but to, be, to see into a person that no matter what you see physically, when no matter how they're behaving, there's more there. There's more there. And part of our challenge in giving hope to people is to call them out of that. You know, uh, 
five or six years ago, I guess it's been actually seven years ago now, when I first came in as the CEO of this mission, we started a project to build three floors. So if you're on the fourth, fifth, or sixth floor, that's been built since I've been here to add all those beds that we added. But I also wanted to reimagine um, the mission. And so uh, a company that does rebranding, and, and she was the CEO of the company, but she was volunteering washing dishes one day. And I said, I think you can do more for us than wash dishes. Could you help us rebrand? Like, like, we're getting a new building. Can we get a new culture? Can we get a new image here? And so she came up and talked to me, and they decided to not charge us the fee, which would, would have been $150,000 to go through this process. I didn't have that money. I'm buying food and heating in the building. So she did it for free, and they met with all of our staff for six months in different groups and listened to us talk about what we do. And when she came out, she said the key word I'm hearing it all the time is the word hope. And so just like Nike has a slogan, what's their slogan? Our slogan was hope lives here. And maybe you've seen that around a little bit because we want to be grounded in hope. So beyond the mission now as followers of Jesus, we want to be men and women that are filled with hope. And we want that hope, listen to this now, because Chris said he's sick, Julie was sick. You guys may not want to get close to, no hugs today, right? But get, listen to this, hope, listen to this, hope can be like a virus. You know when you sneeze, you know, on the, on the subway, what do they say? Sneezing, whoops. Sorry, sneeze into your arm, right? <clears throat> that woke some people up. I've got to do that again. There you go. Hey, I can do that. This is the Lord speaking. <laughs> oh, good. Nobody sleep. Well, we might still have one sleeper, but that's all right. But think about, think about actually, think about love as a virus. You, you could say that every week. It, it infects people. How do you infect people with hope? Well, one of the ways you infect people with hope is it's like, I don't care, how, Racina, I don't care how desperate you get. I'm never going to enter into your despair. I'm never, you can go there if you want, but I'm not going there with you. And you're going to keep hearing the word from me, no matter what it is. I'm not going to let you go there. Michelle, I know it's tough right now, but I'm not going to let you go to despair. And if you go there, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to pull you out of it. See, it's like a virus. It's like you sneeze it on people, right? That's, I should write a book called Love Should Be Sneezable or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> It's contagious. There you go. So, so listen, to the, listen to this. If there is real love, then we strive to be hopeful and show confidence in others that whatever they've done is never the final word. It's never the final word. You know the phrase? It was from Alexander Pope who wrote back in the 1700s. We know this phrase. Most people don't know it came from a poem he wrote. Hope springs eternal. It's like, do you know if your heart is beating? There's possibilities. When your heart stops beating, then you're done. Well, sometimes we can bring you back, okay? But, you know, when your life is over here, but as long as you're alive and breathing, there should be hope. And when you lose it, when a person loses it, we, help, we need to call that hope out again. The, the impact of a positive attitude in the life of another is incalculable. Seeing what they don't see themselves. Love hopes, it brings hope. You know, Jesus, um, Peter failed Jesus, right? Not this Peter. Although I'm sure he has too, because we all have. But Peter failed Jesus by denying him when he was arrested and he was crucified and Peter was hanging his head down low and he goes back to being a fisherman. But Jesus knew that wasn't the final word on Peter. Peter might have been thinking something like this. I blew it. I had my chance. I gave up at the worst hour when I said I would, I would even die with him. I ran away like a coward. Um, so I'm going to go back to fishing. I had these three years with Jesus, pretty amazing chapters in my life. But this is who I really am. I'm nothing but a lowly fisherman, blue-collar guy, 
that's that's it. He could he may have been thinking that because we go there with our minds, and Jesus snags him out of that despair. He says, "That's not the final word. Your your word. I know. I don't know him. Do you know the third time he denied him? He cursed. If this wasn't church, I would tell you probably what I think he said. But he cursed. He used one of those four letter words, right? You know the ones I'm talking about. Now stop thinking them. We're in church, okay? That's my fault. Sorry. <laughs> now I'm thinking them. <laughs> but he, but he, he denied him with a curse. Oh, that's the final word on Peter. That's put them on his tombstone. He cursed the Son of God. No. Jesus called him out. Do you know the impact Peter had? Remember what Jesus had said about Peter? You are the rock. See, that's calling out of Peter what he didn't even know he had in him. He said, you are the rock, and on your confession of me, I'm going to build my church. On Peter, the denier. See, Jesus never thought that was the final word. And whatever's going on in your life right now is not the final word. And those around you, it's never the final word. The failure again and again and again, we need to see beyond that. And Peter's legacy went from the denier to the builder of the church. What an amazing thing. And that hope springs eternal for all of us. Love always points to the possibility of change. Love is the lifeline that the hurting, the failing can hold on to. When when you throw them that lifeline, oh, it's all over, there's no hope, it's all bad, forget about it, everybody's turned their back on me, I've screwed up too badly, I'm never going to have a chance, rest in peace. And then you you sneeze on them, hope, you throw them the lifeline, and maybe they can barely grab onto it, but then you hold onto that with them, and you pull them back into the hope that as long as they have life and breath in their lungs and their heart is beating, there can be, there can be a change. Newness can come. You know, it's interesting. Um, in, my, in my work, professional career, many years ago, I went and got degrees and I was a counselor. I was a therapist. And I was meeting and I was teaching psychology in a Christian college. And I had a small clientele that I, uh, that I would do counseling for in my spare time. And there was one woman that came and she uh, had an eating disorder, pretty serious, and she was really a very disturbed um, individual. And when we got into her story, the stuff that had happened in her life was, was literally so bad that in our counseling sessions, she would share, she would begin to share stuff. And, and when she left, sometimes I felt like I was going to throw up because the stuff she went through was so awful. And, and it was just very disturbing. And I, I met with this woman for almost three years, once a week. And trying to bring uh, insight and help and bring change about in her life. And, and it was up and down and lots of setbacks and failures. And I often thought, thought most of the time, I'm not doing her any good. But I just kept being faithful and she kept coming and showing up. And she began near the end to really change. And it was interesting because um, she ended up working in a profession helping people. She went and got a graduate degree and she really did amazing things with her life. I think she still is. But the very last time we met in a professional capacity as her counselor, I asked her, um, I, I said, wow, you know, we'll just uh, call her Sandy. I said, Sandy, you, your life has really changed um, a lot. You know, you've worked really hard at this. And I said, could you, could you identify for me two or three things that you look back over these three years that really helped you become a different person? And I thought she might say, well, you know, in December of last year when you told me this, this great insight, you know, whatever. I didn't know what she was going to say, but I really wanted to learn. I wanted to know from a success story, um, what can I learn from? And you know what she said? She, she didn't even think about it. She said, oh, that's simple. It's only one thing. Listen to this. This is what she said to me. I'll never forget it. She said, you never stop believing in me. 
through all the failure because she would, you know, in eating disorder, she'd come in and we'd have to say, how did this week go? And she'd say, well, not too good. And every week it was pretty much for the first year and a half, not too good. Failure, 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 failure. And she was expecting me to someday say, I can't help you. You're done. She said, of all three years of investment, that's a lot of time, distill it all down to one thing. You never stop believing in me that I could change. You see, that's hope. That's the power of hope in someone's life, no matter how much failure there is. The basis for hope is not just optimism, though. It's the belief that God is always at work, that his grace is always at work, that love always expects that that grace will conquer and find a way to win in that person's life. Hope refuses to take failure as a final defeat. You know, um, I, I've mentioned before, I think, um, over, over the years that this verse is, um, because, and that's, that's actually Romans 15, 13. I wrote the wrong reference down, so make sure you write it down right if, you're, if you take any notes. But uh, this, this prayer, another prayer of Paul's, he said, now may the God of what? Hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may or you will abound in what? Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That word hope is in there twice. The God of hope will fill you with joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is what helps you get up the next day and keep moving and keep moving forward when you have hope. Now, the God of hope, why is he the God of hope? He's the God of hope because what I'm asking us to do with each other to never stop believing, to keep encouraging. When your hope is gone, then I'm going to give you a supply of my hope on your behalf. I'm going to deposit it in your account, and I'm not going to let you give up because God does that with us every single day if we can choose to believe it and experience it. Too often we, we have developed over the years through maybe churches that we went to or preachers we hear on TV or just the word on the street of what God is like, and he, he's not really too hopeful about you. He's pretty ticked off at you. He's pretty kind of going to wring his hands and say, forget about it. I'm done with them. That's not the God of the Bible. You know, there's, there's a, a teaching of Jesus in Matthew where Peter comes to Jesus and said, okay, if my brother sins against me, against me, how many times should I forgive him? Up to three? So, so, yeah, some of you know the answer, but let's just stay with three. Let's say with David over here, I, I, I said, hey, David, uh, yesterday I gossiped behind your back and said some things that were harmful and not really even true. Would you please forgive me? And maybe David is a godly man, and he says, you know what? It really hurts me that you did that, but I forgive you. And then I see him the next day, and I say, hey, David, I did it again last night. I said some things about you that weren't true, and I gossiped. Uh, I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? And David, being a godly man, says, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you, Craig. But man, will you stop doing it? It really hurts me. Next day, hey, David. Uh, I know this is sounding a little bit like deja vu, but um, <clears throat> I gossiped about you last night some things that weren't true, and I'm really sorry, would you forgive me? So Peter was saying, should I do it like three times? See, that, like that, wouldn't that be hard? The third time he's saying, I don't, think you, I don't think you really feel bad about it. You just keep doing it. So <clears throat> Peter said three times, and Jesus said, no, I say seven times 70. So just to illustrate it, I'm going to do it 490 times right now, Okay. <clears throat> Now, you, none of you would sit through that, right? But just imagine what that would sound like. 400, I mean, it did it once a day, so that gets us all the way to sometime in June, the year 2020. I did it that many times in a row, and Jesus said, yeah, keep forgiving. And then he tells this parable of the great ungrateful debtor who had this huge debt forgiven, and then he turned around and wouldn't forgive his fellow servant a small debt. The, 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 the thing behind that teaching is to know the heart of God, which says, I'm, David may have trouble doing that with me, but God doesn't. 
Why? Because God knows there's still hope that maybe the next day something will click and I'll change. So God never, he wouldn't forgive us continually without the idea that someday I'm not going to have to forgive you anymore for that because I have hope that you're going to change. I have hope that you might actually become that new person that wouldn't gossip about me anymore and slander me and talk behind my back. See, God is eternally hopeful about each one of you. He is, he never gives up, ever. You, you'll never stretch God to the limit where he says, enough with you, I'm done. Never. The question is, and I want you to answer this, but I want you to think in your heart, do you really believe that? Is that really the God, okay? And, and there was someone that said no, probably honestly, because it's hard to believe that that's true. And maybe one of the reasons it's hard to believe that's true is that we never find another human being that will be that way with us. We know that there's a limit. We don't know if it's three or seven or one, and we're done. <clears throat> they, you know, there's the door. Go. I've had enough of you. So you, you can see, can you see why this has to be anchored in, in a deep belief and experience of a God of love and a God of hope, going back to that, God of hope, if we're filled with that, if we're filled with that, we're filled with joy and peace. Why? Because the God of hope never gives up on us in believing so that then we will abound in hope. And the, purpose, the reason for you to abound in hope is not just for yourself. I hope you do. I hope, I hope somehow in the circumstances that each of us are in right now that there's still some measure of hope there. I, w- I would hope that it would be abounding. But whatever measure you have, you still have the influence to give hope to another person by choosing to say, I'm, not, I'm never going to stop believing in you. I'm never going to stop believing that whatever it is you're trying to overcome, whether it's an addiction or some other bad habit or laziness or some other sin that's really got you in the grip or whatever characteristic or attitude or whatever that people around you are saying, you're never going to change. You're going to be this way next year and the next year and the rest of your life and you're going to die this way, that I'm going to say no. I'm not going to believe that about myself. And, you know, the older you get, your, your habits tend to get more ground in, right? That, like It's like the roots go deep. And yet change can come. It can always come. God is the eternal optimist about us. Can we share that optimism? That's what this message is about, to share that optimism, to have hope for others when they've lost hope themselves. Love hopes all things. I would say it hopes against all odds. It hopes in the face of contrary evidence that nothing's ever going to change. It continues to hope. It continues to hope. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I reference Charles a lot because he so, his hope is so contagious for me. I mean, you know, I, you guys may understand that, but this is a two-way street. When, when I, from my position, see men and women come in here and fight against it, Sharon, to not give up, to keep fighting, that gives me hope. In my own life, the things that I'm struggling with, um, I often think if I were in your shoes, the shoes that a lot of you are in, I don't know if I keep going. I don't know because I've never been tested in that way. But when I see you week after week not give up and keep going, that gives me hope. And then what do I do with that hope? I share it. I give it back to you. See, this is how the body of Christ is supposed to operate. We are like a, uh, we are like a team. You know, when, when one hurts, all hurt. When one celebrates, all celebrate. When one is down, we find a way to come and bring hope into that person. And that hope should be contagious. And it should be like a virus. I'm going to write that book, Sneezable. I like that. Um, so um, as we, uh, Chris, you ready to come up and lead us again? Um, this, is what, this is what my hope is today, right now. Going back to what I said at the beginning, 
in the song that we sang, God opened the eyes of my heart. In that passage in Ephesians, it says, why? So that we would have hope. So I'm going to pray in, in this final song. And this song, doesn't it fit? What's the name of the song we're singing? He is able. So when we think about he is able, I would like you not necessarily to think about the circumstance, but to think that he's able to give me hope. Because I don't know when that circumstance is going to change. That's the thing about hope is we put a timetable on what we want to see done by this date. And when that date, it doesn't happen, it's easy to give up hope. But to say, well, God, will you sustain my hope? Even just a small measure of hope as, as I look forward. And then, God, this is the other prayer that I pray for all of us, that, God, would you allow us as men and women to be conveyors of hope to others? You know, you realize today you can have one conversation on the sidewalk at 7-Eleven, in the lobby, up in the dorm, to a person that can give life to them. They can plant that seed of hope. One word can change the trajectory of a person's life from someone. Can we give that gift to each other? Can, when we hear despair, not to, and not, by the way, not silver lining, oh, it's all going to get better, blah, blah, blah. It's not that. It's like to enter in last week, right? Love hurts. I'm going to come into your hurt with you and be a co-sufferer with you in your hurt. But then I'm not going to leave it there. I'm going to say, but I'm never going to stop praying and believing that things are going to change and that you can change and that you can overcome this. That's the gift that we can all give to each other. So let's pray, make this song of declaration that God is able and really believe in our hearts that he can give us hope, okay? okay.